You know, as a church, we are at the halfway point of our journey through the Bible in this um, series that we're doing. It's called The Story. It's a 31-week journey through the Bible. Now, through this journey, I know you miss a lot of things, but it's sort of like when we went to Savannah uh, this summer, we, we got on a trolley and, and we got to see the city, just a, just a glimpse of the city and some of the, some of the highlights and some of the mansions and the town squares. And as we'd be driving by, our tour guide would say, now there is such and such square, this is, and we keep going. But you had lots of questions, wondering, well, what about this square? What about this mansion? What's going on? And then we move on. When we got to the end of the, of the two-hour tour, uh, Verda and Amber, we went back to some of these places and we did more in-depth looking and, and digging and, and trying to understand what was there. And, and that's sort of what this 31-week journey is. It's sort of a quick tour of the Bible. Along the way, we're trying to just give you an overview of what is there. And on this journey, uh, we're going to miss some things because we're going so fast. But, but what you need to do now is go back and do the research and do the study and dig in to see what more is there? Because there's so much there than, uh, than what we can cover in 31 weeks. And so uh, some of you have maybe forgot to pick this up over the last couple weeks or, or over the last month. Um, let's do a restart here. Let's start in chapter 16 and let's get back to it. Because, you know, the church in America is dying because the people in the church don't know the word. And it's a dangerous place for us to be. And so pick it up and, and get back into it and, and journey with us through these last 15 weeks. Now, if you've noticed, uh, there's been a little bit of a change. You know, the first um, eight or nine weeks, uh, the heading is God forms his people. And so for several thousand years, God is forming his people from creation um, to the time when, the, when Israel becomes a nation, when the children of Israel Go in. But, but now it says God pursues his people. So, so why the difference? What, what has changed? And, and, and what has changed as the children of Israel moved into the nation, um, took control of it, they began to walk away from God. And yet because God in his upper story... If you remember, because within this story, there are two sub-stories. There's, there's the upper story, God's great plan for redemption from creation to the creation of the new heavens and the new earth and eternity with him. But within that upper story, there's a lower story, and that's us. And that's the people we read about in Scripture. And, and, and so the children of Israel in the lower story walk away from God. And so the reason God is having to pursue them is because they've walked away. And in the last two weeks, we've been in the prophets. And, and, and God sent the prophets to warn the people of their sinfulness. And to warn them of the judgment that will come because of that sinfulness. And the reason God allowed judgment to come upon the children of Israel is, is we read in, in the opening chapter of chapter 16, which is it's found in 2 Kings, but it says, all this, speaking of judgment that had come upon Israel, all this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God. 
who had brought them out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods. They did that which, they did wicked things which aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols. And though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The reason that the children of Israel would, would suffer um, judgment was because they, they allowed themselves to get sucked into the worship of idols, of other gods. And so Isaiah, his calling from God is to, to warn the people of that coming judgment if they don't make themselves right with God. The prophetic books, which is Isaiah through the end, uh, through Malachi, they make up about 22, almost a fourth of all of Scripture. And yet I bet in the last five years, even if you read your Bible on a regular basis, you've not spent a lot of time in the prophets. But it's really important for us to, to understand the prophets. And, and I am guilty because, because Isaiah is really hard. He's hard to understand. And yet, and yet when I see how much of the Bible is made up from the prophets, obviously God had a plan and, and it's important for us. It's crucial for us to understand what's going on in the prophets. But sadly, we neglect them oftentimes because they're hard to understand. Last week, we focused on Hosea and, and Hosea's uh, wife. And, and just he, was, he married a prostitute. And she would, she would leave him for other men and prostitute herself to other men. And, and what God was doing in the lower story of Hosea was trying to explain to and show the children of Israel how they had prostituted themselves to other gods. And how often do we prostitute ourselves to other gods, to the things around us, the way that the children of Israel did. And because of that, Judgment came upon them. And you see, you see Israel becoming more and more corrupt as the years go by. And, and so today we see Isaiah the prophet. And we're introduced to, to Isaiah the prophet. And the word Isaiah means Yahweh saves. And it's interesting, you know, Isaiah's primary message is a, is a messianic prophecy of a coming Messiah, of one that would save. Isaiah uses the term, the Holy One of Israel, um, 30-some times. It's only used one other time in Scripture. Jeremiah, I believe, uses it one time. But, but he continues to talk about the Holy One of Israel is your Savior. And so remember, when we go way back to the beginning of Genesis, we talked about throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, there's a pointing forward to the Messiah. And Isaiah, more than any prophet, points us forward to the Messiah. And we'll see that at the end of the message this morning. But Isaiah had a warning to the, to the children of Israel as he begins in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah begins with this warning. He says in verse 2, he says... Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared the children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. An ox knows his master, the donkey his owner, his owner's manager, but Israel does not know 
My people do not understand. And then he says, oh, sinful nation, people loaded with guilt, you brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. And Isaiah goes on and, and he, gives them, he gives them this warning. You know, Isaiah says, you have rebelled against Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel. We see that right away. He says um, that, that, that they have rebelled. Oh, sinful nation, people loaded with guilt. You brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. You have forsaken the Lord. And so he's saying, you've rebelled. You're walking away from God. And he will not stand for that. You know, as I read, as I read these, these warnings to Israel, I, I, looked at, I looked at our nation. I looked at the state of, of our country. And, and have we as a nation rebelled against God? Are we rebelling against him? But he says, you have rebelled against Yahweh. And he warns them of that. And then he says... Your worship is empty. If you look at verse 13, he says, Stop bringing meaningless offering. Your incense is detestable to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths. He says, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. When you spread your hands out in prayer, I will hide my face. You know, when, when, when a people rebel against God, they, they will continue. And, and, and what we see here, the children of Israel, they continue to show up for church. They continue to go and, and offer worship and, and do offerings. And yet, and yet, God says, your, your, your worship is detestable. Because it wasn't real. Because it wasn't what was in their heart. Isaiah later says, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, empty worship is showing up this morning because you have to. Sitting here and singing because you're required to, or because it looks good to the people around you, you sing songs, and we sang some powerful songs of worship to a majestic God this morning. And yet not meaning it at all. Your mind being somewhere else, thinking about what you're going to do after, after church and, and what you're going to be doing next week. And, 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 and you come and your life doesn't reflect what God's word says. And, and yet you come and together with us singing and, and listening to a message and, and, and being a part of this. God says that's empty worship. And I detest that. I hate that. These are strong words from Isaiah. And he says... I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. I think as we read this book of Isaiah, we understand what he was saying to, to the children of Israel. But we also have to ask ourselves, am I rebelling against God? 
Am I following God's will? Am I, am I doing what, what God has showed me, how I need to live my life as I worship, as I come here? Is my worship authentic and real or is it empty and fake? Because you have to do it or because it looks good or because it's what you've always done. And God rebukes them for their empty worship. And the third thing we see here in the first part of, of Isaiah is he says, you don't care about the needy. You know, you're, you're all about yourselves. He says, your rulers and are rebels and, and companions of thieves. They love bribes and chase gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. They don't care about those who are in need because they're, they're all about their self and, and their own agenda. And when you, if you notice there, there's a, there's a regression here where they, they, they rebel against God and then, then their worship is empty and, and that leads to, to not caring about anyone or anything other than themselves. And is that where we've gotten to, um, as a church in America? Well, we've rebelled against God. Um, our, our worship is empty. And, and as a result, we don't care about those that are in need. We don't care about those that are hurting. We don't care about, about the orphan and the widow and those that are going hungry and those that are in prison. Because we've rebelled. You see in Isaiah him showing us this degeneration of, of, of the social structure where it just becomes, where at some point it is in chaos. And then God brings his judgment upon the people. And the point that Isaiah was trying to make is that, look, he said they were, they were to be his servants. The children of Israel were here on earth, a people through whom he would, he would work to redeem all nations. But they never, they never met those expectations. You remember back in Genesis chapter 12, um, the second week of, of our journey, God comes to Abraham and he says, leave your country, your people, your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. And he promises Abraham, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And he says, and God says, and you will be a blessing. See, in the upper story, God was going to use the nation of Israel to bless the whole world. Yet in the lower story, they rebelled and they walked away from God. And as a result, they were no longer a blessing. They weren't, they weren't fulfilling what God had planned for them. And in your notes, I got this a little bit ahead of you. The other thing, point that Isaiah was trying to make, if you go down um, below Isaiah's message of hope, he, what Isaiah was trying to say is, you, Judah, are sick with sin and in desperate need for cleansing. That was a point that Isaiah was trying to make is, look, you guys are sick. You've fallen into sin. You're not living the way I had desired for you to live and you are desperate for cleansing and in the midst of that harsh message to the people 
throughout the book of Isaiah, Isaiah also has this incredible message of hope that he, that he gives to the people. See, what Isaiah was saying is, is you need a savior. You need someone that will come and cleanse you of those sins. In the 208 years of kings, there were only five righteous kings. So God looks and he understood, you need a savior. And Isaiah says, there is a remedy for this sickness that you have. And if the nation would not serve the Lord, then he was going to raise up a servant that would. And one of the most beautiful things about, about the book of Isaiah, probably the one portion of scripture that we read, we always read at Christmas and, and different parts of, parts of the year, is, is Isaiah chapter 53. Because amidst all of this talk of judgment and, 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 and sin, there is a message of hope in the book of Isaiah that I want you to understand. It's a message of hope for the children of Israel. It's a message of hope for us today. Because we, like the children of Israel, are in desperate need of a Savior. All of us are in need of a Savior. And if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah paints this beautiful picture, a prophetic um, message of the coming of the Messiah. And Isaiah paints a picture greater than any other of the prophets of the coming of Jesus. And that's, I think, the beauty of this book is, and you have to remember, this was written 700 years before Christ came. 700 years before the Messiah comes to earth, Isaiah writes these words in Isaiah chapter 53. Beginning at verse 5, it says that, that, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Verse 6 is a truth about all of mankind, about all of us. Isaiah says, all, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That's us. All of us have gone astray. And it just says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, that's the bad news. But then in uh, the second half verse says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of all of us. And there's the good news that Isaiah has for the children of Israel and for us that there is one coming. Even though you have gone astray, even though you are in sin, there is one coming. And for us, one has come that will take away all of our sins. All of my sins that I have ever committed are laid on him. And he was pierced for me. My transgressions were laid upon him. And Isaiah goes on. He was oppressed in verse 7 and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. 
He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears, he is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Remember when Jesus appeared before um, in the courts, before the judges, he never spoke, he never opened his mouth. It says he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence. Remember, Jesus hung between two thieves, criminals, and he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah told us 700 years before Jesus came that these things would come to pass. But not only did Isaiah speak of his death, but Isaiah also spoke of of the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 11, it says, After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be sustained by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life into death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's great news, not just for the children of Israel, but for us today. Why did Jesus Christ have to die? Because of our sins. Why did did God send his son? Because he loved us. And when you break it down in verse 4, that that our griefs he himself bore. Our sorrows he carried. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He bore our sins upon himself. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned their own way. And yet because of his great love for us. God placed the sins of the whole world, the sins of you and me upon his son, Jesus. So that we could spend eternity with him. You see, what I get out of Isaiah is, is I am no different. You know, when I look at the children of Israel, I can judge them. I can say, how could you do that? How could you be so sinful? How could you walk away from the Lord? And how could you worship the way you did? And yet, when I look at my own life, I'm just like them. You see, there was a point in my life where I had walked away from the Lord. There's a point in my life where I showed up to church on Sunday morning and sang songs that were empty. Where I offered empty worship that was disgusting to God. There was a point in my life when I cared only for myself. I'm just like they are. And yet the great news is because of of God's love for his people. And in the upper story, his desire to spend eternity with us, he sent his savior for me. 
because he took all of that sin upon himself for me, I have the opportunity to spend eternity with him. Because he came to die in my place. He came to die for my sins. And because of that, I have hope. Do you have hope? Have you experienced the greatest gift that that God ever sent us through his son, Jesus? My prayer is that you have. Father, we are grateful this morning for... Uh, the great gift of, of salvation that came through through your son, Jesus. We're grateful that from eternity you had planned in the upper story for your son to bear the sins of the whole world. And, and, and Lord, that we can go back 700 years before Jesus ever came and we can see you pointing forward. Father, I praise you for that this morning and praise you that um, even though we've gone astray, there is hope through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for those this morning that have not experienced that incredible gift that comes through Jesus Christ. People that are still trying to figure out where they fit in God's great story. Lord, this morning, as you prompt hearts, there would be those that that say yes to the great gift of forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Lord, that we would would no longer be a a people of rebellion, but we would be a people that that draw near to you. We would be a people that that offer you worship out of the overflow of our hearts. A people that that worship you authentically. Worship you out of being real Christ followers. Worship you because you are worthy. And our lives would reflect. Give us strength and courage. So that our lives can reflect who you are. Lord, that our lives would make you famous. Our lives would honor and glorify you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we offer this prayer. Amen.